something like a short word of prayer, shall we? Never have too much of that. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the words I'm about to speak. God, make them to come from you. Um, let your Holy Spirit rest upon me and upon this congregation, God, um, as we are now preparing to, to receive your words. Um, God, bless them to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <laughs> in my sermon, I actually wrote that this Saturday is Christmas. It's this Friday. Whoops. <laughs> Um, but this Friday is Christmas. Uh, to get ourselves in the Christmas spirit, my wife Victoria and I have been watching numerous Christmas movies. Uh, all three of the Santa Claus movies. Woo! Pure gold. Pure comedic gold. Never go wrong with Tim Allen. Um, and pretty recently we watched The Christmas Carol. Um, we didn't watch the the fluffy Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol version, which removes so much from the books, which is actually really, really freaky. The books go in deep. Um, we watched uh, one of the more recent um, animated ones um, that actually surprisingly stuck very close to the book. Um, and as we were watching, we got to the point where Scrooge and Christmas presents have been conversing for quite a while. Um, and Scrooge at this point has already been shown many, many things about how he is living his life, how it, how it is affecting the people around him and how awful he has been over the, over the years, how greedy he has been, how consumed with the love of money he has been and how it has hurt the people around him. So he's been shown all of these things and he's beginning to feel that weight in his chest. He's beginning to feel that, that downheartedness that comes with recognizing your sin, recognizing where you were, where you were falling short. Um, and it's around this time, Scrooge notices something underneath Spirit's robes kind of clutch around his feet. Um, and as he inspects it, it appears to be too small children that are clinging to Christmas presents. Um, he asks Christmas presents if they're his own. He asks them, well, who, whose are they? Are they yours? And Christmas present replies, and I quote, they are man's and they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance and this girl is want. Beware them both and all of their degree but most of all, beware this boy, for on his brow I see that rich in Britain, which is doom, unless the writing be raised. That is a heavy quote from a children's book. Most of all, beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written, which is doom, unless that writing be erased. That is so heavy. In this context, Christmas present is showing Scrooge that his ignorance of his own lifestyle's effect on him was going to lead him to his grave, and not just that, because that is awaiting all of us, but an eternity of damnation, an eternity of pain and suffering. His want, coupled with his ignorance, was driving his every act, driving him towards earning more and more money, while also keeping him calmly blinded to the fact that his greed and his avarice were condemning his soul. 
I don't think Charles Dickens was trying to write a sermon here. Um, I think he was attempting to do the classic, like, you need to be good for Christmas kind of thing. Um, but either way, he drives home an important point here. Ignorance and want are two distinctly human traits that all of us, to some extent, possess. Because of our fallen nature, because of our sinful nature, we are born into a life filled with envy and greed, with most of our world telling us that these traits are acceptable and even commended. Ambition especially is praised highly in our country today, as if the desire to acquire more and more things is the be-all and end-all of life. It's the American dream. A white picket fence, playing baseball with your kids, wanting more and more. That is the American dream. We are born ignorant of the word, and we are born hungering for something to fill the endless void that resides within us. God recognized that. When we fell, when we were thrown out of the Garden of Eden, God knew that was within us. He's God, of course he knew. God recognized that, and God prepared a way to defeat that. God chose his people, the Israelites, to bring salvation into the world, and he gave them his words and his commands to guide them and equip them for that purpose. They were his chosen people. They weren't chosen because he wanted to pour out blessing after blessing upon them and make them up so much higher than everybody else and just ignore everybody else. He chose them, yes, to bless them, but also to be the gateway to bring everybody else back into fellowship with him, back into holiness with him. God gave us his word. Capital W, God gave us his word. He reached down in a language that we could understand, that humanity could comprehend, he gave us words to study, to follow, and to live by. He gave us knowledge because he recognized that we are ignorant. He recognized that we don't have the answers ourselves. We're born not knowing. We're born pretty stupid. Have you ever seen a newborn baby? They are cute as a button, don't get me wrong, I'm probably going to get flack for this later. But compared to an adult, they don't know a whole lot. They know how to breathe, they know how to scream, I've heard that before. They don't know how to do a whole lot else. God gave us his word because he knows we dumb. He knows we're stupid, he knows we're ignorant. And even as we grow, without his word, we learn things of the world. We don't learn things of him. We can look around the world and see things that are amazing and beautiful and that should point us to God, but because of our sin, because of our fallen nature, without his word, we can't recognize where that's pointing to. We can think, oh, there must be some driving force beyond the universe. Yay, you are now a theist. You think there's a higher power, but you don't know who it is. That does not get you saved. That does not rescue you. You can look at these things in the world and think there is a higher power driving it. There is something working behind the scenes making this world the way it is. You can think it's evolution. 
You could think it's chaos theory. You could think it's the Big Bang throwing everything together in just the exact perfect way. But you're still ignorant. You still don't know. Without the word, we cannot know. He gave us commands because he knows we are greedy. He gave us the Ten Commandments because he recognized not only are we ignorant, he recognized we desire things that are not our own. We desire more. We desire to see that man that we hate lying bloody on the ground before us as we murder him to get revenge for some small slight that he has done to us. He knows our hearts. He knows that without that knowledge that he possesses, that he condescends to us, that he gives down to us, we can't understand it. He knows without commands to back it up that we cannot follow it. He gave us his words so that we could live. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 says this. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. On top of these commands that he's given us in his word, on top of this word, this knowledge that he's already given to us, he gives us command concerning those things. We are to dwell on them. We are to continually think upon them, pray upon them, and meditate on them. So much so that the Israelites would actually, I forget what they're called now, but they would actually have these things that would bind them as a sign on the hand. It would be a little box that would bind to their hand, a little box that would bind to their forehead that would contain little pieces of scripture. So it would be a daily constant reminder you are bound to this word. You are bound to the promises that God has made. You are bound to his word. So that we would be a continual daily reminder to dwell upon it, to meditate upon it. God knows us. <laughs> he knows what we are capable of. And he knows what we are incapable of. God knew when he gave this command that unless we had that daily constant reminder of it digging into the skin of your hand and in between your eyes, we were going to forget. We weren't going to dwell on it. And we were going to go back to the world. We are going to go back to our ignorance, back to our want. He knows where that ignorance and where that want is going to lead us. And he knows that, that we in our sinful humanity would love nothing better than to revel in that ignorance and in that greed. That is what we desire. That is what our sinful human flesh desires. Like a dog rolling in its own filth, so we return to our sin. Because we know it. Because we can comprehend it. Because it is us. It is within us. It is, it is this flesh. It is this body. And we love to return to that because it's so, so easy. And we don't have to learn new things. And we don't have to give up the pleasures that we desire we can keep going back to that and seek that temporary comfort. Deuteronomy 11.18 is an instruction, yes, but it's also a warning to us that our ignorance is no longer an excuse. If you continue reading in that passage, it actually talks about what is waiting for those who walk away from the word, who don't 
dwell in it day by day. We are born sinful and ignorant of what needs to be done to purify and sanctify ourselves. But God has given us his words to drive out that ignorance with wisdom and uproot that want with contentment. We don't have an excuse anymore. <laughs> I'm really, really sorry, but we don't. <laughs> we have been given the words. We have been given the instructions. We have been given the commands. You and I especially, sitting or standing here today, in this room, professing to be Christians, we don't have a leg to stand on. We don't have a toe to balance on. We got nothing. There is no more excuses. Jeremiah 31:33 and Hebrews 10:16 tell us that as Christians in the New Covenant, God has put his law in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is one who testifies to us about this. The Israelites were given words on paper. They were told to follow them. They were told to live by them and meditate by them, meditate on them. In our new covenant with Jesus, we have those words written on our hearts. <laughs> That's crazy. We don't have an excuse. We got it in paper and we got it in our hearts. There is zero. There's less than zero excuse. We have been given words that can lead and guide us to salvation that can open up our hearts to our Savior, that can bind us to the God that shaped the mountains and the valleys and wants nothing more than to call each of us his children. That is what we have been given. So now, if we continue to cling to our ignorance and our want, we have nothing to stand on, nothing to defend ourselves with. Just like Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, when the spirits would quote his own words right back to him, Scrooge could not defend his words because he should have known better. He should have. We should know better. We have Jesus living in our hearts. We have the word written on our hearts. We have the word printed on paper right here. We have the word in our technology. Right at our fingertips. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31 paints a chilling picture of what, are the, what, of what awaits those who hear the word of God, who hear the word God has given to us, and they do not repent, they do not believe, they do not abide by his word. I'm trying to keep this sermon a little bit short, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's Lazarus in heaven talking to the rich man in hell, and the rich man in hell is begging for a drop of water to spare him, and when that can't be done, he's begging Lazarus, please go and tell my brothers, tell my family what awaits them with the lifestyle they're living. And Lazarus replies, basically, they have the words. They've seen the words. They don't repent. They continue to live in their sin. There's nothing more that can be done. There is no wiggle room in the word. There is no wiggle room in the law. There is no wiggle room in the gospel. There are no loopholes. There are no shortcuts. There is only one path that leads to salvation laid out before us. And we have already been given the knowledge to walk that path. 
we have been accorded the grace and mercy necessary to walk that path. If only we repent, turn away from our sins, believe and trust in our Savior. Ignorance in the face of the word is death. Greed in the face of the word is death. We have been given words of life but we still continue to live as if we have never heard them before. Instead of living a life that transforms all that it encounters, we live a life being transformed by the world. The world whose children are named ignorance and want. Instead of forsaking the world and its temporary pleasures, we call it home and we revel in it while we forsake the word Instead, we were given the words of God, but in the face of our ignorance and want, well enough, because we continually made the choice to not live enough. We continually went back to our sin, reveled in that sin. The Israelite people, especially, because we have so much written about them, showed us time and time again, having the words, having the law, wasn't enough. Our sinfulness, our ignorance of God's word, and our wants and desires to follow the world continually lead us back into darkness. God saw that. God saw our weaknesses. He saw that his chosen people couldn't live up to that standard. He came ready with a solution. He had already given us his words. Now, he would give us the word made flesh. He would take that which was with him from the beginning, through which without it nothing was made that has been made, and he would give it over to us. If you would open your Bibles up to John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God was at the Father's side. He has made him known. We were given the knowledge 
We are told to dwell upon it daily, to know it deeply, to understand it fully, and to implement it completely. Good. Our ignorance and our wants continue to drag us off course away from the word. So now, God gave us the word in flesh, Jesus, to dwell within us himself. Through his fullness, we receive grace. Through his perfection, we receive absolution. Jesus came here as a baby in order to rescue us from our sin, from the ignorance, and from the want that plague us. That's what we celebrate this season. We celebrate the fact that our Savior was born into this world. It's, it's strange that we take such joy out of this without ever recognizing the cost that it had. Jesus, God himself, perfect and holy and divine, lowered himself to live here among us because our ignorance and our want was too great for us to conquer our own. So he humbled himself and he sacrificed himself. Even at the moment that he came down, he was sacrificing himself already to live a perfect life for us. So that we could no longer have our ignorance and our want driving us. We can no longer have our sinful nature controlling us and dragging us off that narrow path down into hell. He came because without the word of God literally dwelling within us, directing us, interceding for us, and pouring out his grace upon us, we are hopeless. <coughs> Through Jesus, our ignorance is finally driven out. Not solely by our knowledge of his word, but by the grace that he brings. You can read this every single day for hours and hours and hours for the rest of your life, and you won't have enough knowledge, you won't have enough understanding to save yourself. You need the grace that he brings. Through Jesus, the word made flesh, our want is finally fulfilled. Not through the end results of our avarice and our desire to get more and more and more and more finally being fulfilled. No, but it's through the reward that comes at the end of this race we now run. Our ignorance is fulfilled by him. Our want is removed by him. That's beautiful. That is what we celebrate at Christmas time. That is what we celebrate throughout the year. That Jesus has come into this corrupted world, lowered himself and humbled himself and been humiliated throughout his entire life for us. That is what we celebrate. It also means we don't have an excuse for our ignorance or our want. Those of you who just heard those words that I spoke, if you had an excuse before because you didn't know, it's gone now. It's broken too. Sorry it had to happen this way. <laughs> no excuse. You've heard the gospel. You've heard the words of God given to us. In this Bible, words that are now written on our hearts through Jesus. There is no excuse. 
So why do we keep living in sin? Why do I keep living in sin? Why do I continue to struggle with my past addictions to pornography? Why do I continue to struggle with anger? Why do I continue to struggle with depression? Why do I continue to struggle with all these things? Well, I still got one of these. I still have flesh. Jesus is redeeming us. He is saving us. And he has already redeemed and he has already saved us. It's one of those things about God that we <laughs> straight up cannot know. And that's a good thing, because if we could know, he wouldn't be God. We are called to live a life that is one of dwelling inside the word. We have been given all the tools that we need. Heck, we've been given the carpenter to use the tools for us. We still continue to love that sin, to love our ignorance and love our wants. And I'm not telling you today that you need to go out from here and be perfect from now on because you have Jesus and you don't have an excuse. You don't have an excuse. You are sinning. I am sinning. Right here, right now. I'm a sinful person. My ignorance and my want are dragging me off course. They are pulling me from that narrow path. But we also have someone who lived the perfect life for us so that he can take the punishment for us. We have the payment for those sins living within us as well. We were given the knowledge, we were given the tools, and we were given the carpenter because God recognizes that who we are the choices that we have made make us incapable of achieving salvation, make us incapable of achieving heaven, of achieving eternity with him, which is his greatest desire for us. That's what he wants above all things. And he knows that we are incapable of doing that. So he has given us everything, everything that we could need to give us salvation. All that is required of us is for us to give up and let Jesus take control. We are already dead in our sin. Our ignorance and our want has already killed us. We're dead. But Jesus can revive us. The only choice that we can make is one of death. The only thing that we are able to do in our humanity is death. Keep on dying. That's all we can do. But we celebrate the fact that during this time of year, we can know that Jesus came down to earth to rescue you and I, dead men and women alike, to breathe new life into us and to live within us so that, that life never fades away. That's what we celebrate. The Word made flesh, was born a baby lived as a man, died as our Savior, to pay the price for our ignorance and want and the sins that those things bring. This Christmas season, let's remember the Savior came into the world 
because he longs for us to not live in ignorance and wants anymore. He wants us to live with him so we can live in wisdom and in contentment and in life. That is what he desires. That is the gift that has been given to us. Life. We were dead before and then now we live. That is the thing to remember during Christmas. That is the thing to remember during every single day when you wake up, when you draw long, when you draw air into your lungs, you can know that you have life, not just this temporary physical one, but you have eternal life in spite of your death because of the grace and the love and the forgiveness given to us through Jesus. Uh, let's pray before we sing. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, especially for the life that you are giving to us, that you who existed before time began, who were there, instrumental in the creation of the world, that you, Jesus, would humble yourself and come down to live among us and give us life, give us breath, give us salvation. That is amazing. That is incredible. That is love beyond words, Father. Thank you for that, God. We pray. Impress that on our hearts. Bind that to our hands. Bind that to our foreheads. God, help us to know that and to live that through you. God, so go out from here and help us to share that with all those, that we, all those that we encounter, help us to spread your word and your love and your life to those that no longer have an excuse. God, we've been given your words. Help us to put them to good use. Help us to live by them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand with me, we're going to sing hymn number 180, What Child Is This? We sing in verses one and three as our closing hymn. straight and narrow path and keep you from that ignorance and want. In Jesus' name.